So, you know, I'm Latoya, the host of this podcast. And I am Sean Peppers. And you are my guest. Thank you for being my guest. (laughs) I'm so glad and so honored that you chose me to be your guest. Yes. So we're going to be starting on some things, some new things for 2024. Really getting into um, talking about mental um, health and wellness um, and just the journey to to uh, this place that I am at now in my life. So you are my first guest. Um, as I continue, I'll be talking to more women who have been impactful in my life over uh, over the years. But I definitely wanted to have this conversation with you because um, I met you at a very um, sensitive time in my young life. Um, as a teenager going through a lot at home and just really suffering mentally and emotionally. Um, And you really blessed my life. Like, I don't, I know you don't know that you were that impactful in my life, but I never forgot you. And it's really been a blessing to really reconnect with you because I didn't know if I would ever find you. (laughs) I never knew if I would. And it's so funny because, I found mm-hmm. you through, uh, you know, another one of the women um, in my life who really was impactful in my life um, um, in my young adulthood. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'll connect y'all. And I'm like, you know her? <laughs> All I can say is that was definitely divine. Um, because like I, when we talked, I said I had no idea that, number one, you were looking for me. Number two, you never know who you impact in their lives. And um, that's why it's very important to just treat other people, as the golden rule says, the way you want to be treated. But to have her to contact me and say this young lady knows you. And I was like, who is she? Who is she? And when she told me, I vaguely remember, then I had to go you know, and do my investigation. And I remembered your face. And um, when I met you back then, um, what did I tell you? Because I kind of remember, but tell me what I told, what I said to you. You said, I don't want to see you back here again. You're too smart to be. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to get better. You just said, you just drops those nuggets. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, life is hard, but, you know, you can make it through this. This is mm-hmm. not the end all be all of your life. Um, I think I really took from that, that my situation and circumstances didn't have to, um, determine who I would be. They didn't have to determine the outcome of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really impactful. I remember you telling me, like, I don't want to see you back here. Now, I did come back to River's Edge one other time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was like, you know, it was like I was there, and then I left for a while, and I came back one more time um, mm-hmm. because you know how that goes. And then I never was back in a place like that ever again, but um, things happen for such a time, you know, as this, you know, and it, it was impactful. It was necessary. And even with the work that I do now, you know, it allows me to be able to really be, um, connected to the students that I work with because they usually don't really meet people who have been in their shoes literally. And so like to be able to let them know, like, Oh, I know what it's like. I've been there. You ever been to a place? Yes, I have. And, you know, it's just like, wow. And then it's like, and look at me now, you know. 
Um, so it just makes for such a great story, even though at the time I, I didn't understand all of it. I, I What I have gained and learned about life is that, you know, you kind of, you really learn from it uh, later on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you live it, you know, forward, but you learn from it backwards, <laughs> essentially, because it was like, I didn't understand none of that stuff now. Right. I do. Now I do. Um, and that's important that you said that because um, even when I talk to my own children, you know, you get the whys a lot. Why, mom? Why, why, why? And you really want to say, trust the process um, because it's a process. And we don't, at 15 and 16, we don't want to go through processes. We want things to happen right now quickly and we want it to be better. And, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you said you came back to River Edge uh, is great because there were young ladies who didn't make it back because they succumbed to whatever was yeah. was ailing them. So coming back was a lesson in itself because yeah. we've had so many young ladies who either went to jail or committed suicide or yeah. just gave up. And mm-hmm. coming back is a blessing because you've got to get those nuggets again. Maybe not from me, maybe from me, but from the staff that were there. And I mm-hmm. can I tell you, I worked with some amazing people on that unit. I did work with some amazing people, and we all had the common goal that we wanted to make sure that our girls were taken care of, made to feel safe, and like you said, feel validated, seen and heard. Because there's yes. a stigma when you come into a psychiatric hospital that something is You're wrong crazy. with you. You're crazy. You're just crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. You're just crazy. <laughs> but we never, we never said, we never said anybody was crazy. We saw behaviors that needed attention. Yeah. Regulation. Yeah. Like, yeah, just studying psychology and, and like being a social emotional um, learning coach now, just being a mental health professional, I'm just like, um, just things about like regulation, learning how um, to regulate your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions. That's essential. And yeah. a lot of times we don't we don't learn those things and we don't have those tools in our toolboxes because our parents don't teach it because they don't have those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like we have to acquire those tools um, so that we are able to be able to self-regulate um, and work through our feelings better. Because, you know, you can just have so many feelings and you don't know what to do with them. Um, You don't know how to express them. And, you know, now you're so dysregulated, you know, that it just impacts you in in every way imaginable. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I really try to work on helping kids to learn how to regulate themselves now. Um, And just learning things like learning about what you can control and what you can't control. Uh, And learning that emotions are fine you know they are not bad mm-hmm. um, they're fine all of them even the ones that you know people make you feel like you shouldn't have like being angry and mm-hmm. being mad and being sad those are normal too yeah um you just have to know what to do with them um and so I even with my daughter now and she's just four just work with her with she'll say I'm mad and I'm like yeah you can be mad mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um that's a normal emotion. You get to be upset, you know, but let's talk through it and we got to move forward from it. You can't just stay, you know, in that place where you you're angry. So Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think talking talking through it means allowing that child, whether she's four, whether she's 14, whether she's 19, yes. allowing that child to have a conversation. Because exactly. I was only a generation removed from children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So when I had my own children, I had to re, you know, um, readjust my thinking to allow changing your thinking for my children. Yes, I had to change yeah. my thinking for my children so that I can allow them to have a voice because I wasn't really allowed to express myself as a child. Exactly. So that kind of shaped me as an adult, being more exactly. um, <laughs> right, being more of a listener because I feel like I'm a great mm-hmm. listener but I don't really want to express myself as much. Yeah. Yeah, because it's learned behavior. Right. All behaviors are learned. And so when you grow up and everybody's always making you suppress and close Mm -hmm. your mouth and you can't talk about anything, then you don't know how to be expressive. You don't know how to tell how you feel. Yeah. Because you never had the space or the opportunity to tell how you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important, you know, that, we unlearn some of those things that we learned. And it's not so much that our mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers did those things mm-hmm. on purpose. It's just, those are things that get passed down yeah. and, you know, people think that they're doing the right things um, only to later learn, you know, that mm, those probably weren't, you know, the best uh, parenting methods, right. you know, and things. so yeah, I get what you're saying. Totally. <laughs> Well, I'm going to ask you some questions. Right. I know you already are going to have the answers because, you know. <laughs> I got the answers. <laughs> you got the answers because I mean, you've lived this life. <laughs> so <laughs> my first question to you is, what was it like working with children suffering mentally and emotionally? Oh, wow. Okay. What's it like? Suffering is a good word. There were children that came in suffering. For me, um, it helped me see that children are just emotional human beings that need attending to. It doesn't matter if you're teenagers or if you're six or seven years old. Those emotional needs have to be met in stages. And a lot of children came from environments, a lot of children that came through the hospital came from environments that were, that were not stable. Mm-hmm. Um, they were dysfunctional. So mm. their, their beliefs and habits were conflicted. Yeah. So when you would come into the hospital, you'll see all kinds of behaviors, all kinds of um, acting out. And it was, it, it humbled me for one. But then it put me in a mode where I, okay, I'm here to teach. I'm here to listen. I'm here to, uh, you know, help this person through this crisis. Because I, yeah, it gave me the opportunity to not only utilize my, my skills as, um, as a social worker. There I was a counselor, a mental health counselor. But my background is in social work. But it also gave me the opportunity to be compassionate and to be, um, even for some, a mother figure or a big sister. Yeah. Figure, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was more than just me getting up there and saying, "Well, I know this, and the book says this." Blah blah blah. It's more about compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what kids really need. 
Yeah. People to just have some compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Number two, uh, the next question, what were your thoughts when you met me? Another 15-year-old girl <laughs> coming into the hospital uh, trying to self-harm. Mm-hmm. What were my thoughts when I saw you? And honestly, okay, I'm going to not cry. <laughs> um, I, I, I was more um, focused on my young lady that reminded me of me. Okay? Mm-hmm. The, the young ladies that came in, um, young black women that came in, I was drawn to because I saw myself. Wow. That's deep. I felt it. I literally felt when people would come in, I felt their their hearts. I felt if they were um, good or if they were hurting. You know, I had like a sense of, I I felt like I had the empathy, but I also felt a little more. So when you came in, and it was several girls, similar, not all the same, but similarly, I just felt drawn that this is the one. I need her in my group. I need her. Uh, we will talk one on one. We'll just, you know, that's gonna be the person that I direct my attention to. Yeah. You know, in this, while she's in this place, because so it's scary. I know you were scared when you came in there, because there are doctors yes. and nurses. You got little kids running around getting shot with needles. <laughs> you was like, yes, what is so going scared. on? <laughs> so I see. I didn't see you as one of those kids that I would have to have, have to restrain or have yeah. to, you know. Put the poop locks on, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying but to I, stay in that room in the corner. Yeah. I was in that room in the bed. People were like, are you mm-hmm. going to come out? You got to yeah. come out. I'm like, gotta I come don't out. want to come out. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I saw. I mean, I saw me. I saw some of me and you. Yeah. And that's really, I think, I definitely, res- that resonates with me because even now when I deal with, you know, some of my students, I definitely see myself in, in some of them. Mm-hmm. And, and when you see yourself, you get even more connected because it's like, oh, I, I know what, what this child is feeling. I know what this is like. I've been here, you know, with, you know, the, the, the issues with, you know, your mom and, you know, things of that nature. And it's just like, yeah, it just pricks your heart in a, in a very different way. Um, and you just want to help. You know, you want to help them to to be better and you want to see them thrive because you know they have potential to be great. Um, if they could just get out of that environment, you know. Okay. Um, how did you feel every day leaving after work um, dealing with young girls um, who were emotionally unstable? Um, I would... <laughs> That's a good question because I look back at that right now, twenty some years later, and I probably could have handled it better. But I took on a lot of what these young ladies were dealing with. I took, mm. I took it to heart, and it it was stressful. 
talking about mental health for my own mental health um, it it caused me a lot of stress in my body because I was so concerned like you just said we wanted to see you all thrive we wanted to see you successful we wanted to see you pull up out of those situations that were making you feel like there was no other alternative yeah. When I couldn't do that for everybody, that was- that's what the my I had older people who worked with me. Like I had mentors that worked on the unit, and they would say, "You can't save everybody." And I was like, "Well, why not? What am I here for?" You know, <laughs> very naive because this is the second job I had. Um, so I was very naive, very new. To the field, mm. but I my goal when I went into social work, social service, I wanted to save everybody, yeah. and yeah. just realizing that you cannot do that is an eye opener. So, yeah, it's, it's important to have mentorship. Oh yes, yeah, mentorship oh, yes. is important. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta even think about social work. Um, some of the jobs that experience the most burnout are like social work. You know, psychologists, therapists, counselors, mm-hmm. pastors, um, they ex- those um, professions experience the highest level of burnout. Yeah. But it really is important, like you said, to uh, find some balance. Yeah. Um, and I've learned to find balance, even though I work with kids and I deal with, you know, them um, with their social and emotional issues and, mm-hmm. you know, through them. I really have learned that I cannot bring all of it home with me for one because I have a four year old for two. Yeah. I got my own health, you know, things and I take care of myself mentally and emotionally. Even mm-hmm. when I'm at work, I'm making my business when I have my lunch, you know, to tell mm-hmm. my secretary like I'm not available. I close my door. There are times when I'll close my door, listen to an audio book or listen mm-hmm. to music. When it's nice outside, I go get in my car, take a drive, go to the store. And I just yeah. do those things for myself because I protect my time. Yeah. And I think that's the stuff that y'all didn't know know to do back then, to like that's protect right. the time that you have and not giving up your lunch and, you know, uh, giving up all your extra time when you that's need true. it. Um, so I know that that really helped me. And even like my breaks, like I tell people all the time, like I deserve this break. I need to be on break right now. It's Christmas break and I deserve it because I need time to just relax my mind um, so that I can be better. You know, when I return um, for other people's children. So, yeah, I definitely understand 
Um, here's a question. How did you know or what made you know who did or didn't belong at the hospital? Because I remember you said to me, like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> and I was just like, I wonder, you know, how do people, you know, know who doesn't belong in that place? Like, who shouldn't be there? Like, how are you going to say, I shouldn't be here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't belong here. I don't want to see you back. Listen, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Don't get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely zero authority to say who belongs in that hospital and who does not. Right. How, <laughs> let me just put that disclaimer out there. Right. However, you you did not check the boxes for someone who needed that environment. Now, okay. it could have been um, necessary because your actions that led to you coming into the hospital were crisis type of actions. Okay, so right. we need to handle this right now. And it was a cry for help. Right. And once you cried and you got what you needed, that could be part of the reason why I said I don't want to see you back here because you got, you had everything you needed. You just didn't know you yeah. had it all there. So if I say you don't belong here, that psych hospital, you know how people go to jail and they don't, yeah. they, they change in that yeah, type of environment. Yeah. Absolutely. People be like, you shouldn't be in jail. Like, man, like this isn't you. <laughs> you just made a mistake. So once you realize what tools you had within you already, you needed to go back out there and, and go to work. Because yeah. if you come back to this hospital, you're not using the gifts and the tools that you have within you already. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever struggle mentally and emotionally growing up? I struggle mentally and emotionally now. But yes, yes. I I did struggle. Um but I thought I was cool, you know. I was a strong young lady because I had a mom who was a strong woman. So I modeled her. I modeled her behavior. And um, she was a single mom by the time I was growing up. I'm the youngest of six children. So okay. she had to do a lot for me by herself. So watching her go to work, third shift, and then run into the... Uh, the, the hospital to be a nurse's aide on first shift. She was gone a lot. So I watched that and I'm like, dang, my mama is holding it down. Yeah. So I thought I was good. But then I learned as I got older that those actions within my own, you know, becoming a, a wife and a mother, I thought that I was supposed to do the same things that my mom did. My mom didn't have a husband. I had a husband. Right. Now I'm doing the things that she does, but I don't have to. You know what I'm saying? Right. So my struggle did not kind of, it didn't come to fruition until I started bumping heads because I was so mm. independent. You know, I started bumping heads with my husband. And that coincided with the stress that I brought home from River Edge. Right. So those struggles just carried on to my young adulthood and then my middle adulthood until I started to realize that I don't have to be so strong. I, wow. don't, I can I can be 
I can be feminine, you know, I can relax. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That's a big old yes. It's a continuous yes <laughs> to your question. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. what do you do now? Now that um, you know better, how do you do better for yourself mentally and emotionally? First thing I do is recognize that there is um, a part of me that is a, a relaxed person, like a feminine mm-hmm. energy. There's that energy mm-hmm. that is creative that is fun, that is loving, and I have to tap into that. And the ways that I do that, I just started um, this year really focusing on yoga practice and meditation. Those two things right there are like miracles in my life. Now, I've always enjoyed fitness. I work out regularly. I run. um, Running kind of, you know, people say you run off the crazy. Running is just a mental thing. It helps you to kind of relax and forget about whatever it is that's going on. Now, I'm not the fastest runner, but I do enjoy the fact that it allows me to just embrace the, the natural part of me. I enjoy the that's air. So I enjoy the leaves. Yeah. I enjoy the smells. I enjoy the concrete. So when mm. you couple my workout with my yoga and my meditation, I am practicing self-care. Absolutely. At a level that I've never ever experienced in my entire life. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. That's amazing. And just to say that you're doing it at a level that you you haven't experienced in your entire life, um, that's deep. Learning how to take care of myself is a gift because people talk about self-care all the time self-care 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 oh i'm going to get a manicure oh i'm going to get a massage and that is not it's not (laughs) that's self-maintenance yeah (laughs) that's self-maintenance yes but when you really learn to yeah when you learn to take care of yourself that could be different for anybody and everybody Mm -hmm. but when you learn to genuinely take care of yourself and you feel cared for by yourself that's what self-care is. Yeah. Yeah. Taking those moments and that time to uh, regroup and rest your mind. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always like, I'm really thankful. And like, we're, this is why, like, we laugh about me saying Zuri has to take a nap. But mm-hmm. Zuri taking a nap is a part of my, it's part of my self-care. That's your self-care. You know, yes, like, ma'am. It gives me time, you know, to myself. And I just really mm-hmm. value my time to myself. You know, so when she takes naps and when she goes to bed at night, um, I'm really grateful for my time. And people Mm -hmm. say I'm so structured, you know, and they're like, dang, she goes to bed at seven and stuff like that. I'm like, yes. And they're like, that Mm -hmm. must be amazing. It is. Because then I have the time to download and relax my mind, you know, and just with myself um, and reflect (laughs) on my my day or whatever, you know. That is so important. Yes. It is so important it really mm-hmm. is so um here's another question have other young women found you like me to thank you <laughs> it is funny and, and it's happened and um I was at another job prior to working at the psychiatric facility I had a, a caseload of teenage girls and boys who were like very high risk for dropping out of school, for um, 
getting involved with the police criminal activity, but I had one young lady who I had to help her to keep her daughter. Wow. You went out. Am I back? Yep. Okay. DCFS was about to take her son, not her daughter. She got pregnant again while um, I was her case manager. So she was when I met her and I was only 24. Wow. So it was like <laughs> I was really, really new. Yeah, so young. Yeah, so that was a learning experience. That was a very, that was a learning curve. So we kind of clicked on a level that was more of case manager. I'm going to look out for you like a little sister too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept it professional. And they have rules, you know, the rules you can't talk to anybody, you can't interact with anybody until maybe three or four years, depending on the agency, until after they're no longer in your case. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, actually, there were two people, two young ladies that this occurred with. So, years later, one young lady reached out to me and told me that she was going to buy a timeshare. <laughs> I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Miss Sean, because remember when you were at the place and you went on a vacation and you told me you had a timeshare, I want to get a timeshare too. I don't think that's what he's in his 20s, 30s at this point. But yeah, wow. she should be almost, only eight years younger than me. Yeah. But she, um, that inspired me. And then another young lady called me like years after I left there. She was like, hey, this is such and such. I just wanted to know. If you want to be my son's god, god, godmother. Wow. Okay, bring him over. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. But um, it's just stories like that that you, like I said, when you first, when we first started the conversation, you never know the impact you, you have on people, and it's fine. Really it's, it's so important to just love people. And be kind really And I get that to my mom. My mom is a very compassionate person and she helps yeah. everybody. Everybody. Sweet. So um, that's so sweet. That's just I think it carried over. And my husband calls us to save the world family. Because <laughs> Yeah, to save the world to family. Save the world family. Because she did nursing. She did home health care. She was the lady at the church that went over to people's houses with food. And um, my sister nurses, and I do social service, and the other sister is an educator. She she educates the uh, the educators. <laughs> so, wow! So everybody's doing doing service, yeah. making an impact. To be impactful, I think being impactful in whatever you do is just like the most important thing that you can do yeah. in your life. Impact somebody else's life positively. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. That's like top tier. It's like it if you do nothing else to know that you've you've helped somebody else um, mm-hmm. in their life. Like, and I think it's amazing. Good. I'm getting echo. I think it's amazing that you are creating um, bigger spaces to be more impactful based on what you're doing. Mm. Um, so Thank the you. More you. The more you grow. The more people you will impact, and you are soon to be teaching people to impact other people, correct? Yes, ma'am. 
Okay. <laughs> so you are just broadening the spectrum. Because it's needed. It's what we need in mm-hmm. this world. Like, I just yeah. feel like I was talking to my godmother the other day, and like I told her, it's really important that we we leave the world empty. I'm like, why would we? God put us all mm-hmm. with purpose and for a reason. And I don't think we're supposed to die full of potential and full of ideas. Mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to leave here empty. Like we've done everything, um, yes. you know, that we could possibly do with this life that we've been given. And so that's what I'm trying to do um, mm-hmm. with my life. You know, just I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful to even be able to overcome all the obstacles that I faced in childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, let me just, you know, give a little bit of, well, a lot of that back um, yeah. to future and your generations. Your story is so impactful, you know, from your childhood, from going to the psych hospital to this point. You have traveled a road that most people will fold. You know? Yeah. Girl, I'm grateful. <laughs> It yeah. makes me tear up though. Like sometimes I just think <laughs> about my should. life. I just get so emotional about my life. I'm just like, to some people it may not be a big deal, but it's like, do you understand? Like mm. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm at this place. You know, mm-hmm. like like it's just like I'm wowed by my life. Um yeah. I'm just like, God really did his big one, like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to make sure that you was all right, girl. Man. That this one is gonna be okay. Yes. And I'm just so Mm -hmm. grateful and I'm just so thankful. So thank you. I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time out to have this conversation with me. I know that we'll be having more conversations because I got some things in store. Okay. (laughs) Wonderful. I look forward to it. I got some things in store too. (laughs) I know know this. Yes. 2024, the year of more. More everything. Oh, yes. More. More coming. Yes. That's all I've been hearing. So, <laughs> but thank you so much. And um, yeah, I guess we're just going to close out. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. You are, you are on the road to success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my love. And happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> happy 2024. Happy 2024. Yes. Oh my goodness. Happy new <laughs> year. year. All Thank right. Bye bye.